Welcome to Passion Life Church. Well, today we're going to look at maybe what I would say is the most important teaching in all the five weeks that we've talked about in relationship goals. And uh, before we start, let me, let me, how many of you today, those of you, you're married. Let me see your hands. You are married. You are married. All right. Great, great, great. You can, I'm glad my wife is raising her hand. That's a good sign. How do you know? She's still, we're still married. That's good. Thank you, love. I'm so glad you raised your hand. How many of you would say you married somebody who's a little bit different than you. Let me, let me see your hand. Let me see. All right, a little bit. How many of you would even say that you married somebody who is opposite of you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some of you are afraid to raise your hands because of the repercussions after service. Come on, be nice now. You know, what, what's funny is that because when we're dating, people say opposites attract. How many of you know, but when you're married, opposites attack? Opposites attack when, when, when you're married. But let's, let's, let's just take a little bit of a survey. How many of you would say today that you're the punctual one in the marriage? You are on time. Let me see. Oh, we got a couple both raising their hands. Okay, that, that, that's great. How many of you would say you're the one that's a little more creative with your time? Let me now notice how some of you, those this type won't even raise their hand because they're like, I'll raise my hand when I'm ready. That's right. right. How, come on, let me see. How many of you are more creative with your time type? All right. How many of you in this marriage, you are the plan ahead person? All right. You, you are the, how many of you are the more, let's just say, more spontaneous one? More, okay, more spontaneous. And uh, how many of you would say you are the savers when it comes to money in your relationships? All right, cool. How many of you say you are the spenders? Let me see your hands. Okay, keep your hands up, ushers. Let's pass some buckets to the spenders one more time just to, to yeah, they're the spenders. They're the spenders. I'm kidding. But the challenge, I think, so often in marriage is that we are different. We, we are different. And, and God, you know, he has a plan and a purpose for our life. But we can end up, because we're different, we can end up with conflicts in our lives because of, of the differences that we have. And something can start out very small, and then it turns into something that's a lot bigger. And, you know, and sometimes even disrespect can happen, and even it can go to mistrust. And, and sometimes even always to the, even to the extent of uh, unforgiveness and, and bitterness can happen in a, in a relationship. And nobody gets married thinking about divorce. We never go saying, hey, you know what? I want to get divorced. That's not, that's not, we wouldn't get married. But it happens. Divorce happens. And yet, I think one of the things that happens in marriage is people get married. And if you're here today and, you know, you're single and you, you want to get married, a lot of people have unrealistic expectations when it comes to what marriage uh, really is. And I think that's the number one reason why people get divorced is because the marriage didn't meet their expectation didn't meet their expectation. And in this series, Relationship Goals, we've been talking about having a mentality of this day forward. Just like when a couple gets married in their vows, they say from this day forward. In other words, the past doesn't matter anymore. And we're looking from this day forward. And we've looked at this, this scripture, Lamentations chapter three, verse 19. It has been our theme scripture and you can write it down. And it says this, Jeremiah is writing. He says, I remember my affliction. In other words, I did some things in relationships that I shouldn't have done. And he says, I remember my wandering. In other words, I've gone places I shouldn't have 
gone, and the bitterness and the gall. And I well remember them, and my soul is downcast. And really, that's what happens when you start to remember your past and you start to think about the past, that it can really have you and get you downcast within you. And then verse 21, he says, yet this I call to mind, therefore I have hope. Would you say that with me? Would you say, I have hope? Come on, can we say it loud? Say, I have hope. And then Jeremiah is going to tell us in verse 22 why he has hope. Because the Lord's great love, because of his great love, we are not consumed for his compassions. One translation says, his mercies never fail. They are new every morning. Great is God's faithfulness. Anybody happy that even when you are unfaithful, God is still faithful? Even when we are not loyal, God is still loyal. Thank you, Jesus, for your faithfulness. I love him. That's one of the reasons why I gave my life to Jesus, because even when I quit on God, he did not quit on me. And I, I just, he just kept stalking me. You know what I'm saying? He just kept telling me, I love you. And I said, well, I don't even believe in you. Well, I still love you. I still gave my son for you. And I used to tell God, I don't even care about you. He said, that's okay. I still care about you. And he just wouldn't leave me alone. And then guess what? When I came to the end of my rope, he was still there. Standing and waiting with his arms wide open. See, some of you think that's just a creed song. It's actually God standing there with his arms wide open. And there he is. Yeah, you can give him a great round of applause because that's who he is. And that's refreshing. And I feel like preaching this morning. So if you keep clapping, we're going to be here for a while. That's all right. I love interaction. I love when you say amen. I love when you clap. I love when you shout. And uh, we've been talking about in relationship goals, if we are going to stay together, that we make these five commitments. And here they are. We said, number one, let me just do a real quick review that we seek God together. And that just means that we, God is number one and our spouse is number two. Our spouse is not number one, then God. We seek our number one with our number two. And you know, some of you have been telling me that you've been praying together with your spouse. And that helps. You know why? Because God is the one that meets our love needs. He is the one that meets our needs. Sometimes we look to our spouse with expectation to meet all of our needs. Only God can do that. And so we talked about, let's not expect from our spouse what only God can give. Then we talked about fighting fair. You know, we have conflict. We're different. But you know what? Healthy couples fight for resolve. Unhealthy couples fight to win. And so we want resolve. And here's the third one. We talked about having fun. That was the sex part of the marriage, uh, the, the relationship series. And we said the greatest romance takes place between two servants. We're here to serve each other. You know, Pastor Phil, I really don't need to talk. I know, but she needs to talk. So if she needs to talk, I need to serve her and listen. Can you say a good amen? Here's number four. We talked about last week, staying pure. We talked about passion needs parameters. You can go to passionlifechurch.com and you can listen to all these are downloadable for free. And today we're going to talk about never giving up. Let's say these five together. Are you ready? Come on. One, two, three. Seek God, fight fair, have fun, stay pure, never give up, never give up. Now, let me just say a little bit of a disclaimer this morning as, as we talk about never giving up. I'm not here today to say that if you're in a, an abusive relationship, that you need to stay in that. That's what today is not. A, that's not what I'm saying today. God never intended you to be somebody else's punching bag. 
Never. And as, as a matter of fact, I would tell you it's healthy to separate if that's happening and get some counsel on that. You need to get some counsel on that. And I just want to, I want to say that maybe you're here today and you're, you're single again. Maybe uh, because you've gone through the pain of divorce. And let me just say this. Today is not about making you feel the weight of that again. That's not what today. We're talking about from this day forward. And I think what you're going to find out today is you're going to see how faithful God is, even in our unfaithfulness. And today we want to forget about the past. We want to look forward from this day forward. But from this day forward, we're not going to give up. We're not going to give up. And so let's talk about not giving up. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter, thir- chapter 19, verse 3. Matthew chapter 19, verse 3. This is an interesting conversation between the Pharisees and Jesus. How many of you know that it was the religious people that didn't like Jesus? I think it's funny because the sinners love Jesus. And it was the Pharisees, it was those that were religious that literally crucified Jesus. And they come to him to talk to him about marriage. And they come to him to test him. They come to him to set him up. And and they think they got something on it. How stupid can you be to try to test Jesus? Marriage was his idea in the first place. And so here these Pharisees come in Matthew chapter 19, verse 3. Let's read. So it says some Pharisees came to Jesus to test him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife or for any or, or any and every reason? Now, let me pause right here. In this time and in this culture, you would need to know this. A man could divorce his wife for any reason. And unfortunately, and I say this not to belittle anybody, but it was actually in this culture. In this culture, women were looked at as a piece of property. So you had your cow and you had your wife. And it was literally, if the man got to the point where he got upset, he could say, that's it. You're out. We're divorced. That that was in this culture. So they're setting Jesus up with this question because they're coming to him and, and they're saying, look, you're the love guy. You're Jesus. We know how you love people. So what do you feel about divorce? Go to verse 4. It says here, haven't you read? Here's Jesus' reply. Now, Jesus is going to take this to a whole nother level. He's going to, I mean, he's going to hit this out of the park. He says, haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the creator made them male and female and said, for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So watch, God is not saying that when I get married, I lose my personality. That's not what he's saying. God is not saying that when I get married, I just lose my identity. But what he is saying is that two people are becoming one. Look at verse 6. Jesus says, so they are no longer two, but one. God's mathematics is this way. One plus one equals one. And look what he says. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. Let no man separate. And if I were to give you an illustration this morning, when two people come together in marriage, it's like taking these two pieces of paper, right? You have two individuals, you have male and female, and it's like you are becoming one. It's like me taking this glue. Let me see if I can get this to work. This is why I do not use illustrations. 
I just don't like this kind of stuff. But this glue, I was sick this week and that's what my nose looked like. So anyway, how about that? Don't worry, I'm better now. So you have two people coming together in marriage and they're becoming one. The whole goal of you all is becoming one. So if you wanna be independent, well, I'm just so independent, don't get married. Because the two are supposed to become one. If I were to put this together and leave this maybe for a couple weeks, a month, these would be totally stuck together. And Jesus says this, the two have become one. And this was the intention. But when divorce happens, it's like taking this and ripping these two apart. And when they are torn apart, there's rips There's tears, there's broken hearts. Why? Because the whole intention of marriage was two people becoming one. This is why divorce hurts so bad. Because you are trying to undo what God has made one. You are trying to un-one what God has made one. And again, today, I'm not here to put any condemnation on anyone. If you're here and, man, you've, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And maybe you've done everything that you could. But today, I want to remind us we're going from this day forward. But for those of us here that are married, I want you to know that marriage, I think people have a wrong concept of what marriage is. They think marriage is just some contract that we sign. Marriage is not a contract. Marriage is a covenant that you made. That when we stood and I stood before our pastor to marry my wife and we said those vows, I wasn't, I didn't just sign a contract. I was making a covenant relationship with my wife. And here's the difference. See, a contract is based on mistrust, but a covenant is based on commitment. Now, if any of you have ever bought in a house or I don't know, maybe if you own a home or you rent homes and you have a renter or somebody who wants to lease from you, what do you do? You make them sign a contract. You know why you make them sign a contract? Because you don't trust them. Have you ever bought in a house? Do you ever see that stack of papers you have to sign and you sign? Why? Because the bank don't trust you. And it's all about, hey, listen, you're in as long as I'm in. And I'm in as long as you're in. And I will trust you as long as you perform. You're out. I'm out. Contract is broken. That's the mentality that some people have about marriage. But marriage is not a contract. Marriage is a covenant relationship. And it's interesting is that some of these people think that because marriage is a contract, it's like, well, I'm in it as long as you meet my needs. I'm in it as long as you make me happy. And let me just say, like I said it in part one, nobody can make you happy. To put your happiness on your spouse, you're putting something on them that only God can give them. And this is why people, they they get frustrated. (laughs) I was happy before I met my wife. I am happier. But you know what? I don't look to her. She is not the source of my happiness. Jesus is the source of my happiness. And let me preach for a moment. Because if Jesus can't make you happy, some woman's not going to make you happy. 
If Jesus can't make you happy, some guy, I don't care if his name is Brad Pitt, he will still not make you happy. If Jesus Christ cannot make you happy, and this is what we do. We put those expectations on people. Well, I'm in it as long as you meet my needs. Or I'm in it as long as, you know, I'm happy. Yet marriage isn't a contract. It's a covenant. And you know what a covenant is? A covenant is a permanent relationship. It's actually the way that God relates to us is through covenant. God makes permanent relationships with people. Do you know the Hebrew word for covenant is this, to cut. In the Old Testament, you would see this a lot. People would get married, and they would literally cut themselves at a certain place, and they would bleed. The spouse would bleed, and they would hold hands together and tie their hands together so the blood would run together. Now, for some of us, we would say, well, today, what does that mean in terms of covenant? Well, for us, covenant, the cutting of covenant is the honeymoon night. The honeymoon night, we're coming together in one. There's a covenant. There's an exchange. Come on, somebody. Do I need to go deeper? Thank you. You just saved me. But there's a covenant. There's a joining together. And actually, sometimes what they would do is they would cut a cow or a pig. They would cut them into pieces, and they would put pieces on the right side, on the left side. And the husband and the wife would walk through these animals that had been slain. And here's what they would say. If you do not keep this covenant, let what happened to those animals happen to me. Man, that's pretty deep. that's, That's a covenant. But here's what we need to understand about Jesus. Jesus cut a covenant before you even made a decision to be a child of God. You know, the Bible says that God shed his blood. There was no guarantee of how many people in humanity would respond to his relationship, and yet he still shed his blood. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says this, but God demonstrates his own love that while we were still sinners, Christ died. So God shed his blood, not with any guarantee that everyone would accept it. As a matter of fact, we know some people will reject it, but it did not stop God from shedding his blood. This is the kind of God that we have. And we turn to him and we respond to him and we say, thank you, God, for shedding your blood. Look at what Jesus said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 25. Paul was quoting Jesus. We, t- we talk about this every time we take communion. Paul says in the same manner that Jesus, that he took the cup after supper, saying this is the new covenant in my blood. Do you know that when we take communion, we're reminding ourselves of the covenant that God gave to us? And I got good news for you today. God keeps his covenant. Let me try this side. God keeps his covenant. Even when you don't keep your covenant. Even when you are unfaithful. He's still faithful. I thought you'd get a little more excited about that. That he's faithful. He will keep his covenant. You know, God defines marriage between a husband and a wife. But you know what Paul also uses, and he talks about in Ephesians chapter 5, he talks about marriage, and, 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 and he uses the analogy between Jesus and the church. That Jesus is the groom, and the church is his bride. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31. You can just jot this down. 
Again, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Verse 32, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning who? I I speak concerning Christ and the church. So God is saying to us through his Holy Spirit that Jesus is the groom. And who is his bride? The church. Now, let me just tell this. The church is not a building. The church is a people. We come together. We assemble together. And there's things that happen when we assemble together. But tomorrow when you go to your job, you are just as much the church as you are sitting here on Sunday morning. We are the church. And we are the body of Christ. We are the church. So when you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, not only do you become a part of the family of God, you become a part of the church of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says this, that the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. So that means if Jesus is building the church, Jesus is building you. When you are building the church, you are building what Jesus is building. I want to build what Jesus is building. Now, Jesus is the groom and the church is his bride. But Jesus is the perfect groom. The bride... Not so perfect. This inspires me because Jesus has an imperfect bride. How many of you, I won't ask for a show of hands, would say, yeah, my spouse is not perfect. And if I were to ask your spouse, if your spouse was imperfect, some of you would say, yes, my spouse is imperfect. And I came today to encourage you to tell you that even though you have an imperfect spouse doesn't give you the excuse to act like a jerk because Jesus is the perfect groom and the church is imperfect and yet he still remains the same. He still remains consistent. He still remains faithful. Oh, that inspires me to be a better husband. And I'm not here again to put weight on people or make people feel guilty. But when I look at what Jesus does, it inspires me. Jesus loves his church with an unconditional love. I mean, he loves his bride. Wow, what a great example that even when we don't keep our covenant, he keeps the covenant. And Jesus will never, ever go back on his covenant. It's forever sealed. Does that give you some stability this morning? People wake up, they're always wondering about their salvation. Well, if you're wondering about your salvation, it's not on God's part because he keeps his covenant. And if you'll always come back to him, if you'll just run back to him. So I want to, I want us to be inspired by Jesus's example today. Cause sometimes, you know, I, in, in marriage counseling, I always, as you start counseling, they start blaming each other and, you know, and we we can always make excuses for why we are the way we are because of this person and that person. Let me just tell you, look at Jesus's example. Even when people are unfaithful, he's faithful. And I want to encourage you today not to quit. I want to encourage you today to hang on, to be faithful. And what I want to do today, I want to read Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, because it says this, Let us not grow weary in well-doing or while doing good, for in a due season, everybody say due season. In due season, you shall reap if you don't lose heart. In other words, you will reap if you don't quit. If you don't quit. 
You know, I looked up the word weary. The word weary in the Greek, the New Testament is written in Greek. The word weary, listen to this. In the Greek, it means this, to be utterly spiritless, to be worn out, weary. Listen, exhausted. You know why we get weary? Because we, we, we forget about step one, seeking God together. Letting his spirit empower us. Letting his spirit empower us to help us with this marriage. To help us with our spouse. Come on. You can't handle your spouse. I'm preaching some good truth today. But Jesus can. He can. And we get spiritless when we start doing it all ourselves in our own strength. I got this. No, you don't got this. Guess what? He's got you. And so when we come together and we seek him, man, we can be strong. But you know what? We can get tired. We can get tired of doing good. He wrote this because people get tired. But he says, listen, don't get weary in well-doing. Because in their due season, you will reap. So here's what Galatians is telling us. It's telling us that we can have an expectation that there's a good harvest coming. So if I can have an expectation that good things are coming, that helps me endure till the end. You know, the Bible says that Jesus endured the cross. But he says this. He looked at the joy that was before him. And because of the joy that was before him, he endured the cross. What was the joy that was before him? That many people years later, and even today in March of 2017, people would be giving their lives to Jesus, to being forgiven of their sins. Why? Because of what Jesus was doing on the cross. He wasn't focusing on the cross. He was focusing on the joy that was set before him. And Galatians is telling us, listen, don't get weary. There is a good due season coming if, 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 if you don't quit. If you don't quit. So today, let me just give you four practical truths on having a great harvest. Let me give you four practical truths on having that marriage. The dream wedding that you thought about. Better than Beauty and the Beast. More extravagant, more wonderful. Come on. How do we have a good harvest? Here's number one. You got to realize this law. You reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. Notice there is a due season. And you'll reap good if you sowed good seed. If you sowed good seed. Why? Because you're sowing good seed, you're going to have a good harvest. So, so many people quit before the harvest. I'm so glad that in the beginning of Passion Life Church, our church is four years old, that we didn't quit before the harvest. You know, Galatians 6, 7 says, be not deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever. Man, that's a powerful word right there. Whatsoever a man sows, that, that what? That whatever he sows. So whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. So in my marriage, if I sow compassion, what am I going to get? Some of you don't know. Let me try that again. I'm glad you came to church this morning. If I sow compassion, what do I reap? Compassion. If I sow mercy, what am I going to reap? If I sow forgiveness. You know what I find funny? Is that. Sometimes we can be so unforgiving, but then when we mess up, oh, we want forgiveness. 
forgive me, honey. But then when she messes up, so sow forgiveness. So in reality, I sow what I want to harvest of. I sow. And you know what? Let me just encourage you. Planting is tough. Planting is sometimes monotonous and boring. Harvest is fun. Woo! Let's have a harvest party. Harvest, harvest, harvest. I love harvest. But there is no harvest. No harvest for you if you don't plant. No harvest. Where's my harvest? Where did you plant? What did you plant? What did you plant? And planting is not fun. Let me tell you why. Because it takes faith. Oh, I love looking at the trees, but the seed didn't look like a tree. The seed looked like this little, that's what it looked like. You ever look at a pumpkin seed? You ever look at a sunflower seed? You ever look at a mustard seed? Jesus said a a mustard seed is probably a a little smaller than, than this. It's the smallest like little seed. And he says, if you just have a mustard seed of faith, in other words, if you just use the faith that you have, you could move mountains. That's the power of a seed. But the seed don't look, and we'll look at the seed and go, oh, man, this doesn't look. Well, of course it doesn't look like anything. you got to put that sucker in the ground. Is it okay to say sucker in church? you got to put it in the ground. And when you put it in the ground, it takes faith. And when you put it in there, that something greater than what you saw is going to be seen as it's watered. You know, what's funny is that when we started Passion Life Church, man, planting, it's tough. Man, we started and, man, we had to do a lot of work. And I was doing a lot of the work because we didn't know a lot of people. And I remember going out in our, in our previous location and I would have to put out the signs in the, in the ground. And the ground was hard and I'd have to put the sign. And, man, that's no fun. But we had to put out signs so people and know where the church is at. But you know what? It got easier because as the more that I put the signs in, the holes were already made. So I would just come and start putting those signs in. And nobody, in our first year or so, nobody was showing up to church. I mean, our church has grown immensely. But you know, I would get up and put in the sign. And it was funny because people would say, oh, Pastor Phil, you know, you the pastor. You should not be putting out the signs. And I'd say, you want to help me put out the signs? They're like, no, we don't want to help you, but you shouldn't be doing it. And I get it, but you know, I knew that we had to plan. We had to plan, we had to plan. And now we're starting to see harvest. And let me encourage you, harvest comes. It comes, it comes, but it takes faith. Think about what your harvest will be if you do what we're talking about, seeking God, fighting fair, having fun, staying pure, never giving up. And if you continue to make God your one and seeking him, you're gonna have a great harvest, but you got to plant a seed. Even to have kids, somebody's got to plant a seed. If you don't know what I'm talking about, ask your neighbor. They'll explain it to you. There's got to be a seed. Can you say a good amen? But you reap what you sow. Here's number two. Not only do you reap what you sow, but you reap where you sow. So if I plant all my energies as a man into my hobbies, into golf, guess what's going to happen? I'm going to be a great golfer, terrible husband. Let's flip it. Ladies, if you put all of your energy into knitting, I don't know what you do, but knitting or whatever you do, watching novellas or whatever it is, you're going to be a great knitter, not a good wife. Guys, ladies, if we put all of our energy into our work and our our career, yeah, you may make a lot of money, but you may lose your family in the process. So it's not only important that we know that, that 
we reap what we sow, but we reap where we sow. And you know what I want to sow into? I want to sow into God and his house. I want to sow into my family because I want to reap. I want to sow into my wife because I want to reap a great marriage. Listen, you have to guard your priorities. People are gonna try to pull you apart. Things are gonna try to pull you apart. I know we gotta work. Listen, I get it. I love it. I, 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 me personally, I'm a workaholic. I love to work. I just love it. But you know what? It can't get the best of my life. It's God first. He's my one. And my wife is my number two. Come on. Where are you ladies? You here today? Can you give me a little amen, brother? So number one, we reap what you sow. Number two, you reap where you sow. And here's number three. We need to realize that the fruit comes from the root. The fruit comes from the root. You may say, Pastor Phil, it's tough to plant good seeds. You're talking about having compassion. I'm not really a compassionate person. And there could be some things going on in your heart. We're talking about from this day forward. Maybe there's, there's hurt in your heart. But you know what? The Bible says that there's two things that have a root. The Bible says there's a root of bitterness. And the Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. Now, don't, please, so many people misquote that. Money is the root of, it's not money. It's the love of money. We all need money, but you can't love it more than you love God. Because then there's a root on the inside of you. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. Am I doing good? Good this morning? Okay, good. Well, then would you smile at me? All right, good, good. That'd be great. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. It says, look carefully. Least anyone fall short of the grace of God. Least any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. By this, many become defiled. You know, the word defiled in the Greek means many become polluted. Now, here's the trap with bitterness. Bitterness comes from unforgiveness, but I will tell you this. Once you become bitter and polluted, you know what you start to sow? Bitter and polluted seeds. And guess what you get in a harvest? Bitter and polluted seeds back. It's a vicious cycle. I've, I've, I've talked with people who are bitter, and they're mad because everybody else is mad at them. And then I go, well, maybe everybody's mad at you because it's not them, it's you. Because you have a root of bitterness. And now everything that comes out of your heart is bitter. And so you know what? Seeds are going out of bitterness. And they will come back. Look at Luke chapter 9, verse four, Luke chapter 6, verse 45. This, this scripture has meant a lot to me. It says, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. So my heart's got to be good. For me to bring good. And it says, an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth what? Evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So here's a couple ways that we plant seeds. We plant seeds through our words. We speak. That's what... And how do you get that, Pastor Phil? Jesus said, remember the parable of the sower? Jesus said a sower sows the word. Well, we know what the, the, the sower was sowing was the word. It's the word. So when we speak, we're, 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 we're planting seeds. That's why it's so important, uh, my church family, that you plant and speak good things over your spouse. Come on, that you, you, you speak good things over your, your kids. But you know what all starts with your heart? And if you're going to have a great marriage, you've got to be quick to forgive. 
You have to, almost on a daily basis. You've got to forgive. Why? Because God has so greatly forgiven you. God has forgiven us. He's a faithful, come on, he's a faithful groom. Forgive. But I want to tell you, the fruit comes from the root. And if you're, not look, if you're looking at your harvest and you're not happy, you got to look at the root. Here's number four. If you don't like your harvest, change your seeds. Change the seeds that you're sowing. See, some of us are sitting in the middle of a harvest and we don't like it. You know what we do? We blame the devil. It's the devil's fault. Can I just tell us there is only one devil? Not everything is the devil. A lot of times it's just us. And some of us sit in a harvest that we don't like, yet we planted those seeds. We planted those seeds. You know, what's interesting is that, um, you know, a woman will say, well, you know, my husband is just, he, he's a couch potato. He, he's just a couch potato. Five years. He's a couch potato. Well, yeah. Now you got potatoes growing out of your couch because you keep saying it. And so now your husband has taken on the identity of your seeds and he just sits there and he's like, my wife says I'm a couch potato, I'm a couch potato. And now he's a couch potato and you're mad because he's a couch potato, but yet you planted those seeds. So next time he comes down the hallway, say, come over here, you big hunk. Man, I love you. You have such a great work ethic. Come on, plant some seeds. Speak those things that are not as though they were. You're so handsome. You always smell so good. Oh, look at those biceps. Oh, whoo, honey, I can't wait till you get home from work. I thought I'd get a better amen from the guys, but I didn't. I don't know what's going on today. Maybe the time changes today. I don't know. I don't know. You know, someone came to me and said, one time they said, you know, this person is really having a hard time. Like they're, they're really feeling lonely. And I said, yeah, I, I get it. They said, what do, you, what do you mean you get it? I said, I know that person. And I know the seeds that they plant. And the seeds that they plant is, I don't need your friendship. I don't need you. I've tried to be nice to them. My wife's tried to be nice to them. And you know what? And now they sit alone and it hurts. I'm just telling you, I'm not minimizing. There's pain there. But you know what? You sit home alone because you've never sowed seeds. And now you're sitting and all the people that tried to help, you said, uh -uh, I don't need you. And now you're experiencing the result of that. And you know what? Nothing will change until the pain of staying the same outweighs the pain of the change you want to see. Let me say that again. Nothing will change until the the pain of staying the same outweighs the pain of change. And it's sad. I hope that you don't have to change that way. But some people get into such a, man, they just, they hate the pain of being alone. So finally they realize, guess what? I have to change my seeds. You can pray all day for friends. You know, you can pray all day, God, I want friends. And then sabotage your own prayers by sowing bad seed. I can pray all day for my wife and that we have a great marriage, but then when we talk and through my actions, plant bad seeds. That's really the second way you plant seeds is not only through your words, but through your actions. You're planting seeds. 
And this for me is so exciting. And I'm going to tell you why. Because God is saying this to us. You have the power to change your harvest if you'll change your seeds now. Every one of us today can get up from this place as we close. We can get up from this place and today decide to be different. We can decide to start planting new seeds. We can decide today, you know what? Yesterday is gone from this day forward. You know what? Today, I'm going to start planting new seeds. And can I just tell you, many of the problems that we have today would be solved if we would just plant some different seeds today. And I'm not just talking about your spouse. I'm talking about out in the community. I'm talking about not waiting for people to open the door for you, but you get in front and open the door for people. You smile first. You invest first. You be the one that shows love first. Because you know what I've decided? And we have to decide, don't let the world influence your seed. Because this is what happens. We get at work, and there's people who are not loyal to the job. There are people who are not loyal to the boss. And if we're not careful, we can let that influence our life. We have to decide to be like Jesus. And it doesn't matter if anybody on the job is is loyal or not. I am going to plant seeds of loyalty because I am loyal. It doesn't matter if other people aren't faithful. There will always be unfaithful people. But you decide what kind of seeds you're going to plant. And you say, the world may be unfaithful, but I'm going to be faithful. And you know what? God will bless the seeds that you plant despite what the world does. Come on, let's give him a great round of applause. And you know what? You will reap an incredible harvest if you'll just continue to sow good seed every day. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm fired up this morning. And I'm going to tell you why I get fired up because I can see a harvest in my life. Would you close your eyes for just a moment? Would you close your eyes for just a moment as we close today? I'm gonna work backwards with you this morning. Close your eyes for just a moment. What kind of harvest do you see? What kind of harvest do you wanna see in your life? Well, Pastor Phil, I want my finances to get better. Well, then you need to start sowing seed. Look at the heart. What do you want to see, Pastor? I want to see my wife and I be more compassionate. Then you know what? Today you start sowing seeds of compassion. Not seeds of being judgmental, and, but seeds of mercy. What kind of harvest do you see? Because you look at the harvest that you see, and then you begin to plant seed in according to the harvest that you see. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information on Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com 